Chapter Fifty Three of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter Fifty Three. True love's the gift which God has given, To man alone beneath the heaven. It is the secret sympathy, The silver link, the silken tie, Which heart to heart and mind to mind, In body and in soul, can bind. Of course Barbara is delighted. She proves charming as a confidant. Nothing can exceed the depth of her sympathy. When Joyce and Felix came in together in the darkening twilight, entering the house in burglarious fashion through the dining-room window, it so happens that Barbara is there, and is at once struck by the sense of guilt that seems to surround and envelop them. They had not, indeed, anticipated meeting Barbara in that room of all others, and are rather taken aback when they come face to face with her. "'I assure you we have not come after the spoons,' says Felix, in a would-be careless tone that could not have deceived an infant, and with a laugh so frightfully careless that it would have terrified the life out of you. "'You certainly don't look like it,' says Mrs. Monkton, whose heart has begun to beat high with hope. She hardly knows whether it is better to fall upon their necks forthwith and declare she knows all about it, or else to pretend ignorance. She decides upon the latter as being the easier. After all, they mightn't like the neck process. Most people have a fancy for telling their own tales. To have them told for one is annoying. You haven't the requisite murderous expression, she says unable to resist a touch of satire. You look rather frightened, you two. What have you been doing? She is too good-natured not to give them an opening for their confession. Not much, and yet a great deal, says Felix. He has advanced a little, while Joyce, on the contrary, has meanly receded farther into the background. She has rather the appearance, indeed, of one who, if the wall could have been induced to give way, would gladly have followed it into the garden. The wall, however, declines to budge. As for burglary, goes on Felix, trying to be gay and succeeding villainously, you must exonerate your sister at all events, but I— I confess I have stolen something belonging to you. Oh, no, not stolen, says Joyce in a rather faint tone. Barbara, I know what you will think, but— I know what I do think, cries Barbara joyously. Oh, is it? Can it be true? It never occurs to her that Felix is now not altogether as brilliant match for her sister with a fortune. She remembers only that— in that lovely mind of hers he has loved Joyce when she was without a penny, and that he is now what he has always seemed to her, the one man that could make Joyce happy. 
Yes, it is true, says Dysart. He has given up that unsuccessful gaiety now, and has grown very grave. There is even a slight tremble in his voice. He comes up to Mrs. Monkton and takes both her hands. She has given herself to me. You are really glad. You are not angry about it. I know I am not good enough for her, but— Here Joyce gives way to a little outburst of mirth that is rather tremulous, and coming away from the unfriendly wall that has not been of the least use to her, brings herself somewhat shamefacedly into the only light the room receives through the western window. The twilight at all events is kind to her. It is difficult to see her face. I really can't stay here, says she, and listen to my own praises being sung. And besides, turning to Felix, a lovely but embarrassed face, Barbara will not regard it as you do. She will, on the contrary, say you are a great deal too good for me, and that I ought to be pillorized for all the trouble I have given, though not being able to make up my own mind for so long a time. Indeed, I shall say nothing but that you are the dearest girl in the world, and that I am delighted things have turned out so well. I always said it would be like this, cries Barbara exultantly, who certainly never had said it, and had always indeed been distinctly doubtful about it. Is Mr. Monkton in? says Felix, in a way that leads Monkton's wife to imagine that if she should chance to say he was out, the news would be hailed with rapture. Oh, never mind him, says she, beaming upon the happy but awkward couple before her. I'll tell him all about it. He will be just as glad as I am. There, go away, you two. You will find the small parlor empty, and I dare say you had a great deal to say to each other still. Of course you will dine with us, Felix, and give Freddy an opportunity of saying something ridiculous to you. Thank you, says Dysart warmly. I suppose I can write a line to my cousin explaining matters. Of course, Joyce, take some writing things into the small parlor and call for a lamp as you go. She is smiling at Joyce as she speaks, and now, going up to her, kisses her impulsively. Joyce returns the caress with fever. It is natural that she should never have felt the sweetness, the content of Barbara so entirely as she does now, when her heart is open and full of ecstasy, and when sympathy seems so necessary. Darling Barbara! But then she must love Felix now just as much as she loves her. She rather electrifies Barbara and Felix by saying anxiously to the former, Kiss Felix, too. It is impossible not to laugh. Mrs. Monkton gives way to immediate and unrestrained mirth, and Dysart follows suit. It is a command, says he, and Barbara thereupon kisses him affectionately. Well, now I have got a brother at last, says she. It is indeed her first knowledge of one, for that poor suicide in Nice had never been anything to her. 
nor to any one else in the world for the matter of that, except a great trouble. There go, says she, I think I hear Freddy coming. Then fly, they both feel that further explanations are beyond them just as present, and as for Barbara, she is quite determined that no one but she shall let Freddy into the all-important secret. She is now fully convinced in her own mind that she always had special prescience of this affair, and the devouring desire we all have to say I told you how to would be to our unfortunate fellow-travellers through this veil of tears, whether the cause for the hateful reminder be for weal or woe, is strong upon her now. She goes to the window, and seeing Monkton some way off, flings up the sash and waves to him in a frenzied fashion to come to her at once. There is something that almost approaches tragedy in her air and gesture. Monkton hastens to obey. Now what, what, what do you think has happened? cries she, when he has vaulted the window-sill and is standing beside her, somewhat breathless and distinctly uneasy. Nothing short of an accident to the children could, in his opinion, have warranted so vehement a call. Yet Barbara, as he examines her features carefully, seems all joyous excitement. After a short contemplation of her beaming face, he tells himself that he was an ass to give up that pilgrimage of his to the lower field, where he had been going to inspect a newborn calf. The skies are all right, says he, with an upward glance at them through the window, and you hadn't another uncle, had you? Oh, Freddy, says she, very justly disguised. Well, my good child, what then? I am all curiosity. Guess, said she, too happy to be able to give him the round scolding he deserves. Oh, if it's a riddle, says he, you might remember I am only a little one, and unequal to the great things of life. Ah, but, Freddy, I've something delicious to tell you. There, sit down. You look quite queer, while I— No wonder I do, he says, at last, rather wrathfully, to judge by your wild gestations at the window just now. Any one might have imagined that the house was on fire and a hostile race tearing en masse into the back yard, and now— why, it appears you are quite pleased about something or another. Really, such disappointments are enough to age any man, or make him look queer. That was the word you used, I think. Listen, says she, seating herself beside him, and flipping her arm around his neck. Joyce is going to marry Felix, after all. There! Still with her arm holding him, she leans back a little to mark the effect of this astounding disclosure. End of chapter 53 Recording by Linda Bree Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.